0: Hello, and welcome to the American Osteopathic College of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation podcast. I am your host, soon Dr. Tassin Chowdhury. Today, we are joined by four outstanding residents from the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation at the University of Kentucky. We are joined by Dr. Elward, Dr. Dixon, Dr. Lopez, and Dr. Parrott. Thank you for joining us, guys.
1: Hi there. Thanks for having us.
0: All right. So if you guys don't mind please introduce yourselves to our listeners. Do you want to start off with what medical schools you guys went to, what year in residence you guys are, and one fun fact about yourselves?
1: So my name is John Lopez. I'm a fourth-year resident here at the Kentucky PM&R program. I attended the Arizona College of Medicine in Glendale, Arizona at Midwestern University Osteopathic School of Medicine. And a fun fact about myself is I am a cruise aficionado. I enjoy cruising and all things associated with it.
2: Hey, everyone. This is Nick Elward. I'm a PGY3 here at the University of Kentucky. I went to Lincoln Memorial uh, University, the Dubus College of Osteopathic Medicine. And one fun fact uh, about myself is that I am a Cincinnati Reds fanatic.
1: Hello. I'm Mike Parrott. I am a PGY2 here at Kentucky. I, as well as Dr. Elwork, went to the Debust College of Osteopathic Medicine at LMU. Um, One fun fact about myself is I am an avid WWE fan. (laughs) Um, Hey, this is Derek Dixon. I'm a PGY1 here at the University of Kentucky. Uh, Like my two previous colleagues, I also went to Lincoln Memorial University. Um, One fun fact about myself is I'm a closet anime nerd.
0: Nice. That's awesome. All right, so uh, just just to confirm, I believe I met Dr. Elward and Dr. Dixon at the uh, Mid-Year meeting.
1: Uh, uh, yes, that's correct.
0: So that just goes out to all of our listeners. Make sure you come to our Mid-Year meeting. It's definitely a good opportunity to meet these fine young gentlemen. Uh, I'm sure they'll be there this year. So we ask all of our, uh, our guests on the podcast a simple question. We start off, with an, start off with an easy one. Why did you guys
1: decide to go into PM&R? So that's funny you said it's easy because for me it was it was not an easy decision to go into PM&R. Um, I had a hard time figuring out what specialty I was really interested in. I knew what I liked, so over the course of my second and third year, I kind of kept a list of patients I liked seeing and procedures I liked doing, and tried to find the specialty that fit that. It took me a long time. I thought I wanted to do neurology or orthopedic surgery or neurosurgery, but um, after rotating with all of those specialties I realized that none of them really um, cared for the patients I was interested in or did what I wanted to do so I ended up googling things like spinal cord injury amputee care interventional pain and if you type all those into a search bar you end up with PM&R so I kind of organically came to the kind of organically came to the specialty and once I found out about it um, it was easy for me to say that's exactly what I wanted to do. That's very cool. So you
0: end, up, you end up looking up spinal cord injury and like stroke and all the things that uh, PMR doctors deal with and you end up finding out about PMR that way. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. It wasn't, uh, it was kind of a, a backwards route, but I'm sure glad I did.
0: That's very cool. So it's getting about that time when us medical students are looking into PMR residencies and ERAS is opening up. So uh, since you guys are a little closer to the process, what factors should medical students take into consideration when applying for a PM&R residency?
2: So I think this is a, a great question, and it's definitely a key aspect that you, you know, weigh um, when you're looking at different programs. Of course, you're going to look at different programs, inpatient and outpatient experiences, the particular numbers of EMGs, procedures, and ultrasounds. Um, And that was honestly my main focus when I started the interview process. And then when I was on a rotation at that time when I was a OMS 4, I had a PGY3 give me advice that although those are very important because those are graduation requirements, he advised me to take a look at the atmosphere of the program, see how the residents interact with each other, how the attendings interact with the residents. And then also how the residents interact with, you know, all the administrative assistants, uh, nurses, et cetera. And so at first I, I kind of laughed at that suggestion and was focused on the numbers and then quickly realized that I was very wrong in my thinking and that, you know, every program is going to get you at least your basic numbers. Of course, different programs will give you different experiences, but ultimately what is going to foster your education in becoming a PM&R attending is going to be what type of atmosphere does the program have? Because ultimately, if you're in a good program that facilitates learning, you are going to come out that much further, uh, and, you know, that much uh better as a PM&R attending. Thank
0: you, Dr. Alworth. That is uh probably the best answer I could have asked for something like that. Because what you're saying is it's really important to have Look at the interpersonal relationships at the program. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, with, without a doubt. And you know, and specifically, you know, it's very interesting to see how some residents interact with administrative assistants and different secretaries. Uh, I was, you know, it's amazing just different reactions you see, and it's a key, in my opinion, a key component to your decision and to your rank list, and you know, ultimately where you end up. Awesome.
0: So I had someone email me recently and they asked me to ask the next guest, how many programs should a, a student interested in PM&R, how many programs should they apply to?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, this is Derek here. I'm the TGY1, so I'm kind of closest to uh, that process. But we kind of talked about this question a little bit beforehand. And uh, I know me personally, I applied to 25. Um, that seems to be pretty average amongst our group of how many, uh, we applied to. Now there are, uh, I want to say 89 total PM and R, uh, programs in the country now. Um, but it seems like, uh, around 25 is kind of the average.
0: So, so Dr. Dixon, did you apply to 25 PM and and prelim or how many prelims did you apply to?
1: Uh, great, great question. Um, and this is, uh, you know, kind of gets into a little bit deeper question, but, uh, tw- uh when I say 25, I mean, actually, uh, PM&R programs. Uh, Now, for me, I focused really heavy on categorical programs, that being programs where the intern year was built into the program. Uh, So I really didn't apply to many. I think I only had four uh, intern year that were separate uh, intern or uh, what's the word, TRI years. Um, Like transitional years. uh, What's that now? Yeah, the trans, sorry. Yeah, that's what I was trying to think of, the transitional years. I only applied to four of those. I had one interview um Adam which is uh not uncommon i think uh you know students as they're applying will find that the transitional years are actually fairly competitive um because you have to keep in mind you're competing with uh specialties like radiology dermatology uh neurology anesthesiology um i'm blanking on some of the others but uh, i think you guys get the idea um uh, actually be fairly competitive um you know especially for I feel like my application was very tailored to a PMNR and r program. And so to kind of, you know, make it a little bit more general, and when I say that, I mean like I actually had a different personal statement uh, for a uh, transitional year. Now, I'm not saying you have to do that. I know students who applied uh, PM&R and also transitional years who use the same personal statement, because uh, it's certainly not something you want to hide from a transitional year. I mean, they know you're going to be there for one year, and they know you have – interest other than that so you, you're you don't like make uh, internal medicine uh, uh personal statement you just you say this is what i want out of a transitional year um, and this is what i'm looking to do with it basically
0: okay uh thank you for that and how many interviews did you guys go on uh
1: so i went on nine uh pm and r interviews and like i said the one transitional year um I think that's maybe a little bit lower than the average. I want to say around 11 or 12, you guys would agree, is uh, pretty normal. And that's applying to, like I said, if you apply to around 25, I think you can expect to have uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 11. Uh, like I said, mine were a little bit lower, you know. It worked out. <laughs> okay.
0: and, uh, and as far as the other gentleman in the room, um, what, how many do you guys apply to and how many interviews do you guys go on?
1: Mike Barrett here I also applied to 25 programs and I went on 11 interviews okay. um, with that being said I did cancel too late so um, 13 invites I guess
2: okay so real quick I you know I was in the very similar boats I think it was around 20 to 25 programs got about 15 interviews But I think, you know, you definitely have to take a look at your application. And, again, if you apply to – if it's about a 50% rate where, you know, you apply to 20 and get, you know, 11 to 12 interviews, obviously if you apply wider, you know, likely you would get more interviews. And so I think it's very important to take a look at your ARIS application and see – okay, these are the, you know, these are the different volunteer experiences, research, et cetera, where do I stand as a candidate? And then apply to, uh you know, that number of programs based upon, you know, really how you think you are as a candidate.
0: Okay, so you're saying basically look at your application, based on your application, you should apply to the number of programs.
2: Yeah, and, you know, I definitely, so when, when you know, when I went through, I, I applied very wide. I you know, I had different geographical regions that I did look at, um, but, you know, I definitely looked at my application and thought, okay, you know, who am I as a candidate? And then apply, you know, I picked that number based upon, you know, uh, utilizing my mentors, asking them, hey, you know, take a, would you take a look at my application? How many programs do you, you know, how many programs do you think I should apply to? you know how um you know how competitive of a candidate do you think I am, and I will put in a plug for the a o c pm and r mentorship program that this is a great opportunity to take advantage of mentors, you know taking a look at your you know your c v your ERIS application and ask those that are at programs as residents or those that uh, you know, if your mentor is uh, in academic medicine or even outside of academic medicine, just be honest. It's, ask them, hey, you know, how do I stand up as an applicant? And so that's a great way to use the mentorship uh, program for students.
0: Awesome. Thanks for that response. Um, so I know you guys aren't allowed to give up great secrets about the University of Kentucky, but what were some of the most common interview questions you guys got while you were on the interview trail?
1: um so it's definitely dependent on uh, which programs you go to most of the pmnr interviews are very into learning about you as a person so you're not going to get a whole lot of um, medical questions per se they're going to ask you um, kind of your likes your dislikes you may get you know what are some of your strengths what are some of your weaknesses um but i do think uh, the majority of questions are going to be, what do you like about the school or residency you're applying to? Um, why you decided to do PM&R? Know your personal statement backwards and forwards, because they're going to ask you questions about that. Um, and then, you know, some of the off-the-ball questions that are more interesting, I got asked were if you were an animal, which animal would you be? Um, I had one. Yeah, I had one attending ask um, what music I wanted to listen to during the interview. Some of, They're very laid-back interviews for the most part, um, so just kind of be yourself. Be one, open to answering questions about um, why you wanted to do PM&R. Know your personal statement.
0: What's the most ridiculous question you've got on the interview trail?
1: Ooh. I heard of somebody getting asked... Um, Uh, What's your favorite song and why? Which I think is a quite difficult question to answer on a 10 seconds to come up with a justification for your favorite song. I thought that was pretty, I don't know about ridiculous, but intriguing.
2: One of the uh, most random questions that I got uh, was the interviewer pointed to a blank wall uh, in their office and said, what picture would I hang uh, on that wall? Wow. (laughs)
1: Wow. One of the uh, interviewers asked me what I liked about the city uh, that I was interviewing in, and I did like that city, so I said a few things. Then he went on to, like, kind of bash the city, and uh, it was just a very odd, like, thing to to see because it it surprised me, and I was like, you know, in my head, I'm like, is he testing me to, like, see my reaction because it's just, like, really bad talking, not the program but just the city itself, and I just found that kind of surprising.
0: Huh, that is surprising. So I know you guys talked about uh, making sure you know your personal statement forward and backward and your CV. Uh, how else would you recommend preparing for a PM&R residency interview?
1: So I think with any interview, not just specific to PM&R, you know the whole application process is kind of random. You feel out of control. The interview is your one opportunity that you are in control. So I I always give the advice of get sleep. Dress nice. Don't care what other people think it looks like. If you feel happy, you feel comfortable, you're going to do well. Um, but for PM&R specific, um, n- know what's on your resume or your CV. People are going to mention or note that you did this volunteer opportunity or research. Be passionate about it. Have something to say about what's on your CV. If someone asks you a question and you admit that you just put it on there as a stuffer, that's never going to go. Um, never going to go very far. I think also having some type of some type of story that you encountered, you know, why PM&R, what what's a patient that you saw or a family experience you had, having um, having not a rehearsed story but something you have a go to, kind of makes you feel comfortable and know that this specialty is right for you. I guess the the last way I'd say you prepare for a PM&R interview is. Know something about the program, but don't don't go over to, over the top. Like Dr. Parrott said, it's pretty laid back. So come into it, with come into the interview with what you want to exude. I would say, if you want people to think that you're calm, cool, and collected, then just be calm, cool, and collected. Be yourself. I know that's a kind of generic for every interview, but PM&R really cares about who you are as a person and what you can bring to the table. So be yourself. Be happy. Look good. You'll go far. I know a common thing that I ran into was uh they asked me what PM&R, uh like, rotations I had done. And I would say that's something that's very important, too. I know you guys are kind of in the season now of audition rotations. I would say those are very important, not necessary, as they are in some specialties, but definitely important. Um, Kind of to echo what the other guy said, you know, uh PM&R is a very personality, I would say, driven interview experience. Yeah. So they're looking for somebody who they want to work with. And so there's really no better way to you know, get to know the people in the program and show them your personality than than to do an audition rotation at that location. Um, And one thing I would say, too, is as you guys are doing audition rotations, I would encourage you to try to get some inpatient experience. I got got asked that very commonly on interviews. um, And it may have been just because of my personal uh, application. I was not... uh, shy about saying that i'm more of an outpatient minded person and that's kind of where i want to eventually end up and so um and so i think they saw that and it was almost a thing like i need to make sure this guy can do inpatient rehab because that's obviously something very important at uh, you know a lot of programs so if you're somebody who does favor outpatient and you say that in your application that's fine because that's you know being honest what you want to do but i would say also have some inpatient experiences to say you know I have done inpatient rehab. Uh, I know what it's about, and I'm, you know, can bring that to the table at the program.
0: Okay. Um, so, someone actually emailed me and asked me to ask one of the future podcast guests, uh, how important is it actually to do a PM&R rotation at the program that you want to go to?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's important more for the candidate than it is for the program. Meaning. If you really can't decide if it's somewhere you want to be, or you can't decide if it's somewhere you're gonna like, then it might be important for you to go and spend some time there. But I know from my experience and some of my colleagues and other programs, many of the people who are in their current PM&R program did not do an audition rotation at that program. That's not to say okay. some did not, um, but I don't think it's I don't think it's imperative or necessary by any means if. You know, you have life events or financial situations. You got to take care of yourself first. Um, I don't think it is necessary by any means.
2: Okay. So I will add. I will add to what Dr. Lopez said, and remember that a lot of programs have other opportunities besides a um, month-long rotation to you know get an idea of what the program's like, the atmosphere of the program, etc. So there are a lot of programs that offer two-week rotations. There are some programs that offer an observership, so you can, if you have uh, a vacation time and there's a program that you want to go visit, but you just can't fit it into your rotation schedule, you can reach out to the program, fill out information, and come in and just be an observer. That at least gets a a face with a name. So there are other opportunities out there besides just a four-week rotation at a lot of different programs.
0: Okay. Uh, what is what is your guys' take on the concept of a second look at a program?
1: Um, I did not do any second looks at programs. Um, I don't think that the PM and R field as a whole um, people do a whole lot of second looks. I know neurosurgery, some of your orthopedic surgeries, that is a big thing. Um, with that being said, uh, one thing I did do was after interviews. Or after auditions, I did contact the people who interviewed me, contact the residents who had the dinner with, um, whether that be an email or a personal letter, or if you had a good relationship with the residents and they gave you their numbers, just a text message to check in, um, just to say, hey, I'm still here. Um, but uh, in terms of an actual second look going to a program, I, I did not do any.
2: Okay. So I will mention that at the programs that I either was in contact with, rotated at, um, reached out to, and now being on this side of things, is that emails that are sent, cards that are sent, it definitely gets kind of put in your folder or, excuse me, it is, you know, mentioned in different resident uh, or faculty um, rank list meetings. So it is imperative, as what Dr. Parrott said, you know if you're really interested in a program of course you know don't send an email every single day but to express your interest and you know thank the faculty and residents either for the you know time that they took teaching you during your rotation or the time during an interview day you'd be amazed at how much a letter or an email um, really makes a difference in the whole grand scheme of applying for a PM&R residency.
0: Okay are you guys interested in the fellowship and getting a fellowship in the future? And if so, does that affect your decision-making when you were looking for a residency?
1: Yeah. So I'm actively applying for a fellowship in spinal cord injury medicine. Now I'll find out in about a month and a half where I'll be ending up. Um, I'm going to be doing, like I said, spinal cord injury. Um, You know, I don't think it necessarily impacted my decision for residency, when I was trying to make my rank list, I do know I've been interested in spinal cord injury medicine really since really since undergrad. So when I came um, on my interviews, um, when I had the opportunity to meet the maybe the inpatient spinal cord attending, um, I, I paid really close attention to how that person was. If I if I had a, if I think I could develop a strong relationship with him or her. Um, you know, the big thing is you want to make sure you get exposure to all the different specialties, subspecialties within PM&R so you can make a decision if you actually want to do a fellowship. Um, just because the program, if you go to a program that doesn't offer that as a fellowship, should not preclude you from wanting to go there. But, uh you know, if you know what you want, uh, make that be known. That's a good story you can talk about on your interviews. And, um, yeah, I think – I don't, I don't think the idea of applying for a fellowship really impacted my choice of, of uh, residency. I will say, um, without pumping too much sunshine, this particular program at Kentucky has an amazing spinal cord injury medicine attending, and she made my decision to come here quite easy.
0: Okay. So since we're on the topic, why did you guys decide to come to Kentucky?
2: Uh, so for me personally, when I, you know, going back to one of your first questions was the atmosphere. Um, one thing at Kentucky is just the, the people from the interactions between the residents, the residents and attendings, attending to attending interactions, and then how everyone interacts with, you know, everyone else from nurses to administrate, uh, to, you know, administrative assistants. I was very impressed with just the people here. Um, you also, you know, not only, like I said, that is important um, when it comes to an inpatient and outpatient experience, I, I looked and I wanted a very well-rounded education. I was considering um, specifically going outpatient, but now I am considering going into both because I have loved inpatient so much. And so, you know, specifically what influenced my decision was just the experience, the well-roundedness of the program here at Kentucky, the numbers and volume of pathologies that we see here, um, and then the atmosphere.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today, guys. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. This is your host, student Dr. Tassan Chowdhury. You have just listened to an episode of the American Osteopathic College, a physical medicine and rehabilitation podcast. Take care and have a great day. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Thank Thank you.